That's our Pew Bible if you're online, joining us from wherever you are in the world. I want you to turn to 1 Peter 4. I'm going to read for us verses 8 through 11. You know, it's so fascinating how we plan these. Uh, it's on page 985, by the way, in your Red Pew Bible, 985. You know, we plan these Sundays like five months in advance, three months in advance sometimes. And it's just amazing how God's wisdom enables us to bring the perfect Word no matter what's going on in the world. Sometimes we adjust. And by the way, how many of you were here last week when Pastor Mike Morgan preached? Can we give thanks for him? Is he sort of amazing? You know, I was in Arizona officiating my brother's wedding. With everything going on here, it was hard to be away, but it was a joy knowing that so many were serving not only on the campus, but throughout the city. And uh, as we get to 1 Peter 4, we're in a sermon series on gratitude, and we've been wanting to engage your head, your heart, your hands, and your home that we would grow in gratitude, not just for one day in this month, but for the entire month. And if you were with us the first week, we shared with you that we're going to go on a journey. It begins with God's grace when we acknowledge the fact that everything we have in life is a gift that God gives us. And when we start from that place, we can begin to realize that we can be grateful even in hard times. And as we begin to go on this journey from grace ultimately to giving God glory, we, we grow in gratitude. So my goal today is to, to engage your hands in gratitude. But here's what's amazing. Uh, many years ago when I went through seminary, there was a preaching professor that said, class, don't just lock yourself up in your office and study God's Word and then come out at the end of the week and preach, but rather open up God's Word, allow it to be written on your hearts, and go on a walk throughout the week in your church family and listen and see what God is doing. Because the truth is that God will preach the sermon through the church, that God will preach the words through the community. And your task, preacher is to get up and tell the church the message that God has lived out through them this week. And so I've got an easy task today because all I got to do is just tell you what you did this week and why I'm so proud to be part of this church. So let me read 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Peter writes, above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers over a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever Amen. This, my friends, is the reading of God's Word. Well, let's leave these open. And uh, three things I want to talk about today. And as we take a look at this, I want to talk about the frequency of our love. I want to talk about the object of our love and the source of our love. But this isn't news to you because you did it this week. Again, in verse 8, it says, above all, maintain constant. Let me hear you say constant. Uh, there's no office hours to the type of love that God wants His church to give. And here's the amazing thing. Uh, church is not an hour on Sunday. Church is not a building. Church is not a program. You are the church. 
Wherever you go, you've got an opportunity to follow Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day. And not just here, but everywhere. And not just with people like you, but with everyone. So as a church, we constantly talk about how we want to be a people that follow Jesus every day and everywhere with everyone. everyone. And you did that this week. It was absolutely remarkable seeing Willis and Caitlin Robertson stuck on the 101 freeway while the fires were raging, driving out to Thousand Oaks to go to the prayer vigil. How many of you went to the prayer vigil last week in Thousand Oaks? Yeah, see, there's stories that I don't even know. You, you drove out there last week. How many of you prayed for victims last week? Don't miss the fact that you did that. You see, over the years, the church has become this programmed thing, and we rely on staff to tell us what to do and when to do it and what time and how do I show up, and I'll see you next year. But the truth is that we are the church, and God is calling us to be constant in love and in service. That could be 3 a.m., it could be on vacation, it could be in the most inopportune time, the most inconvenient time. But it's amazing to see how God was using you in such tremendous ways. I think about yesterday afternoon getting a text message from sweet Pauline. Can everybody say, good morning, Pauline? Pauline. What a gift in this church family. I don't know if you were here when she came up and gave me a hug, Uh, but I just was a facilitator. In fact, she had some tremendous needs over the last couple days, and we were trying to to figure out how we could meet those needs, and so some of you were part of that. And uh, Matt… Uh, Matt McCarty, Luke, are they here? Where are they? Where's Matt? They're over there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're up there. You were drumming before and you're up there. So how amazed is this? And Casey, you spent an hour on the phone with Pauline. She said it was the most beautiful prayer she's ever had in her life. And Matt and Luke, you delivered food to her home on a Saturday when you should have been watching football. And God's still going to bless you, even though I made it public, okay? <laughs> even though it talks about how we should give privately. But I want to tell you that you, you respond, you show up. Yes, Pauline. This was not planned. Okay, here we go. Here we go. We're a church family, right? Can this is Pauline, by the way. Can everybody say, good morning, Pauline? All right, Pauline, what you got to say? God bless you, my sisters and brothers. Matthew and his father. Matthew carried two heavy bags in both hands to deliver food with his father, William. What a gift, right? What a gift. Well, God bless you. Let's say thanks to Pauline for giving us the opportunity to serve you. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. Mm. Well, I got to keep preaching now. I got to keep preaching now. (laughs) I got to keep preaching. How many of you are a deacon in this church right now? Right now. Whether you are active or you've been a deacon at any point, put your hands up. Now, this is the hands and the feet of this church. You are deployed in neighborhoods across Los Angeles, and you have been responding in tremendous ways to people in need. You've been helping coordinate giving of donations 
Some of you have been going to families who have been displaced. How many of you have opened up a home or an apartment or a condo? This week? Put your hand up that somebody is… Put your hands up really high. Let's see. Because I know of a lot more than the hands that are going up. Can we just give thanks for those that opened up their home to those who are displaced? That's the church. Peter says you've got to be constant in love. And the more that you can be ready and waiting and prayerful and looking for those opportunities, you're going to find every moment of every single day an opportunity to extend love. But it goes on. Peter says this in verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Now, the word hospitable in the Greek language, which is the language of the New Testament, is this beautiful word, xenophilia. Let me hear you say xenophilia. You kind of know the second half of that word, philia, which is, you know, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly, love. right? So, phileo is a brotherly or sisterly love. Uh, but what's so interesting is the first half of that word, xenos. You know what it means? It means stranger. So, what Peter is saying is that you've got to love and you've got to serve people who seem strange. You've got to love and you've got to love people and serve people who aren't just like you and vote like you and talk like you and dance like you and and look like you, but you've got to love in the same way you would love your own family, in the same way you would love your own friends, in the same way you would love people that, that have gone to bat for you, that laid down their life for you. Love the other, the stranger, the foreigner, the person who looks like you, talks like you, votes differently you, you've got to be the church and you've got to do it every single day, but love people different than you. And what's so remarkable is I've seen you do this. You've opened up your home, some of you to people you've never even met before. That's not common sense. I've seen some of you praying with people that look so different than you. I've seen some of you going out of your way, going all the way into Thousand Oaks and Newbury Park, and and you're spending time with people who don't even believe in God, and you're caring for them, and you're loving them, and you're serving them. Peter says to be hospitable, and it's the word xenophilia, to love people who are different than you. But he goes on, which, let me, let me say this. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we could love people different than us? I mean, it seems like our nation is more divided, it seems, than it's ever been. And in this 24-7 news cycle, we are made more aware of our differences, and we are divided even more, but God is calling the church, His people, to be the light of the world, to love people who are different than us. We've got to be on the front lines of this. Who is that up there? Was that somebody up there? Was that Matt? The one who shows up at Matt, you hide now. So why does that resonate with you? I mean, is that what we want to be though, church? Because it falls on nothing if I just preach and we don't live it out. But then again, I watch you do it all week. That's why I'm proud to be part of this church. 
while some people have been hating on social media, I've seen some of the comments that you've made, even to people who maybe you would disagree with, and you've been loving, you've been caring, you've been serving them. The Apostle Paul says this, Peter says this, Jesus says this, it's consistent throughout the New Testament, it's consistent throughout Scripture that God is calling us to love differently. But it goes on, take a look. Verse 10, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. The source of our love comes from God Himself. The more that we can harness the love that God gives us, the more that we can acknowledge and take in the gifts that God has given us with every breath, every beat of the heart, the fact that we have anything in our life. Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. Everything you have. Remember from two weeks ago, even your refrigerator, even concrete. You remember that two weeks ago? It's a gift from God, these common gifts of grace that we take for granted. Running water. I've got a friend right now who's still displaced. He lives in Lake Malibu. He won't have power for another week. And the things that he's been saying to me of the things that he used to take for granted, that now it's, oh, man, flipping a light switch and it works, he says, is a gift. You see, the more we realize the gifts that we have in our life, not just the things, but the people around us, this church family that we have, Pauline, I know you're thankful this morning. You're part of this church. And sometimes we need to open up ourselves up to be recipients of the gifts that God wants to give us through each other. I've got a friend, his name's J.D. Lasky, lives out in Westlake Village, did ministry with him for about 10 years. He showed up at 5 a.m. in the Family Reunification Center in Thousand Oaks, 5 a.m. He didn't have family there. And as a follower of Christ, he just knew that he had to be there to love, to pray, to serve, to be present. He was there from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m., was there with every single family when they got news. I drove out this past Monday night. I sat with them through tears. I said, how, how do you have the strength to do that? And you know what he said? He began quoting Scripture. This text here says this, whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. He knew that he had access to the words of God. And what came out of his mouth and what came out of his heart revealed to me the strength and the source of his love. And it was God's Word. And he said, Drew, God is close to the brokenhearted. 
and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I knew that that was Psalm 38, 14. He went on to say, you know, God is the God of all compassion and comfort who comforts us in our time of trouble so that we can comfort others with the same comfort and compassion that God first gives us. And I knew that it was 2 Corinthians 1. When he said, do not repay evil with evil, but give thanks to God in all circumstances. I knew that that was 1 Thessalonians. And all this week he's been texting me Verses from Scripture. This came through this morning. My soul continually remembers, and it is bound down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says the soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Lamentations 3, 20 through 25. You see, the more we immerse ourselves in God's Word, the more we spend time in prayer with God, the more we abide with Christ, the more we're going to realize that we actually, we can find the source of strength to love constantly. We can find the source of strength and love to love people different than us. Because all this is humanly impossible. You can't do this. I can't do this. No matter how good you are, no matter how patient you are, no matter how altruistic you are, you can't do this kind of love without God's help. And so we've got to be a church on our knees in prayer. And if not physically on your knees, then the posture of your heart has got to be on your knees saying, God, I need strength. I need help. I can't do this. I am tired. I'm exhausted. I don't have the words. I don't want to show up. They're weird. They smell. Help me. But in the same way, you've got to be on your knees. You've got to be willing to roll up your sleeves because we've got to be a church that rolls up our sleeves, don't we? I mean, because you know what it is. Some of you are looking at me like, what's he wearing today? Uh, Drew, Drew, where's the robe? Uh, where, where's the tie? Preachers shouldn't wear that. No, they shouldn't wear that, should they? Now, here's the crazy thing. Now, oh, I see a Giants fan. Okay, Lord. Lord, help me to love my enemy. We ran into each other before him. I'm like, I still love you. I still love you. Now, here's the crazy thing. Some of you run into me at the grocery store and you like lose it, right? Oh, hey now. <clears throat> oh, the Bruins. Man. It was a tough day for this USC fan. Man. No, some of you, you run into me at the grocery store and... I'm so sorry when I see you almost have a heart attack. Some of you, and you're, oh, I, I, I didn't recognize you because this is what I'm wearing. You know, this is what I normally wear because I love my city and I'm ready to go to serve, right? And then I had this moment where I realized, oh, I'm, I'm really falling short. 
as a pastor. If you're only used to seeing me with a tie and a robe on, wow, I'm missing this. If you only see me up front. I might need to learn from you how to roll up my sleeves, how to be in the city constant in love, loving those different than me. And then in the midst of all this, I was reminded of a game that I used to cheat at (laughs) called Go Fish. You didn't cheat at Go Fish? No? Go Fish. Who knows how to play Go Fish? Yeah? Yeah? I got my in-laws here from Texas. We were, uh, we've been playing some games this week. So great having you. Well, you know, I understand that uh, when we play Go Fish, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll take, uh, there we go. Then I take one, you know how this goes, right? I'm going to show you how I used to cheat at Go Fish. That's what we're doing, by the way. We'll do five, okay? So you know how Go Fish works? Left of the dealer. He asked me for a card, right? So what do you want? You want a nine. This is how I would cheat. I don't have a nine. Go fish. I was six years old. But I knew how to cheat at the game. When I had a nine, I'd say go fish. Your turn. Give me an eight. Man, I got two of them, but go fish. Boo, right? Little six-year-old me, right? Boo, right? Now, here's what's interesting. Even before I cheated at Go Fish, I love it, I love it. Even before I cheated at Go Fish, I didn't know how to play Go Fish. And so I would look at these things like, what's a J? What's What's an A? This is weird. And so sometimes somebody would say, you know, giving me an ace. I don't see A-C-E anywhere. <laughs> Go fish. And so what would happen would be I would hold my cards that I had been dealt either because I didn't want to give it away or I didn't know what I had. I think every single one of you does the same thing in life. Sometimes somebody shows up to you and says, I need just, just 10 minutes of your time, and you say, go fish. And sometimes when there's an announcement like, you know what, we're going to move the 8.30 service to 9 a.m. starting in the new year. Is that like a…
That's a good thing? No, listen to this. Tr- true announcement, beginning January 6th, we're moving our first service to 9 a.m. because so many of you have said, please, please move it back to the 9, and so we're going to do it. We listen. And yet at the same time, thank you for those who are willing to move to the 8.30 a little over a year and a half ago. I want to thank you for your faithfulness showing up, the choir so early in the morning. Can we give it up for the choir? Man. Yeah, right? <laughs> and so, as we move it back to the nine, here's the thing. We've got more needs. We've got more needs to serve in the kids' ministry. We've got more needs to volunteer as greeters. Uh, we need some of you who go to the 11 to show up at nine o'clock now to be greeters. We need some of you who are going to stay longer or get here earlier to serve in the kids' ministry. And God has given you gifts, so don't say, go fish. And if you don't know your gifts, we can help you find your gifts, okay? Because here's the truth. God has given you not only gifts of life and of wisdom and of presence, but He's also given you spiritual gifts if you've said yes to Jesus. And we want to help you find those gifts so that you would be able to respond and say, yes, I can serve, I can show up, I can mentor, I can greet, I can do those things. But let's not be a church that just says, go fish. Let's be a church that's willing to show up. But here's the great thing. For many of us, we're already there. I watch you do it all week. You don't say, go fish. You just go out and you love. Literally, you you go out and you love constantly, hospitably, drawn upon the source of the strength that God has given you. Now, we've got an opportunity today right after the service, to pack 10,000 meals for people in this city. Isn't that remarkable? There's 10,000 people that weren't going to have Thanksgiving meal until you stepped up and you stepped in. Now, we've been paying for those meals. Some of you know that we're in a season right now, and in a moment we're going to give our tithes and our offerings, and we're giving above and beyond towards our gratitude fund, our gratitude campaign. In fact, there's information in your bulletin. Uh, we're a little over halfway there, I understand. Do we have a slide? I don't know if we have a slide. I know uh, it's something that we do have. Look at that. That's a, ha- that's a glass half full, if I ever saw one. So in these last two Sundays of November, we're more than halfway there. We want you to know that even as you go down, by the way, down to the lower lot, and as we assemble these things, after you get your kids and head down there, uh, there's little dip jars. Have you heard of these things? These little things you can just dip your card into, and you'll get uh, charged $40 that will pay for 10 meals, an entire basket, an easy way to give. But, Baylor, I am honored to be part of this church. It is such a joy for me coming up on five years next year to see you serving in such tremendous ways. But let's, um, let's get on our knees and roll up our sleeves. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are a God that has given us so much. May all we do be a life that overflows from the gifts that you give us. God, will we look for opportunities now in this moment, this week, in the month ahead, to invite people back to church, 
to be the church in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city. Jesus, help us to follow you every day and everywhere with everyone. And may that begin with now. May we be a church for our city. May this campus be for our city. May we be a people, your people, your church in this city following you, Jesus, wherever we go. It's in your name we pray and we say together, amen.